Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 709, our second live podcast from uh, San Diego Comic-Con, which was incredible now the nerds community corkboard what's happening around the globe of the internet from people like you uh oh this looks like fun uh if you like puppets and mystery science theater there's a kickstarter for a new web, web series uh, starring trace Ballou, who was in mystery science theater so if you like that then you will probably like trace uh he plays a crazy lab scientist managing the rats who work at the laboratory it's called vermin show so just go to kickstarter and look up uh vermin web show vermin show and you can get it there also um this looks like fun this is from a uh, nurse community member called maddie lesage and she says, oh, this is an event that's already happened, but I'd argue the video could reach more listeners since it happened in Taipei. My fiance and I are living here for a year, saving money, teaching English as we plan our wedding and apply for his USA visa. He's a Kiwi. His students had an end of the school year performance, and we decided to write a play about the Beatles for them. The kids loved it and acted the shit out of it. George Harrison looks more like Austin Powers and Ed Sullivan has pigtails. But other than that, it's pretty damn accurate. Uh, his school didn't make the title English user-friendly, so I'm not sure how this could reach a wide audience. But it's guaranteed to make the day of anyone who watched watches it um i am not 100 percent sure how you're gonna find this on <laughs> i'm looking at the video right now <laughs> it's titled beatlemania it's titled beatlemania and it was published july 19th uh of this year and <laughs> it's really adorable so see if you can find that out there in the nurse community and i hope you guys get to get married soon congratulations uh, bring in English all over the world to fund your nuptials. Uh, very fun. Very, very fun. This episode is the long-awaited Maisie Williams, Tom Hiddleston, Guillermo del Toro live podcast that we did at San Diego Comic-Con a couple of weeks back every day. When's it posting? When's it posting? Today. Today's the day it's posting. So here you go. Uh, Maisie is born in Game of Thrones and also just being a generally awesome, rad person. She was so fantastic. Uh, and Tom Hiddleston and Guillermo del Toro, who were also wonderful human beings, are promoting Crimson Peak, which will be in theaters later this year. And then also Tom is in I Saw the Light, the Hank Williams biopic. So uh, another delightful episode from fantastic human beings that you love, where you get to discover that they are, in fact, fantastic human beings, which is nice when you're a fan. So here's the Nerdist Podcast number 709, live podcast number two with Maisie Williams, Tom Hiddleston, and Guillermo del Toro, Katie Levine. Start the official music. Cue the applause. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome. Oh, oh, oh. Take your seat. 
to the Nerds Podcast Live, show number two at San Diego Comic-Con. It's nice to see all of you. I feel like we're commentators on your stand-up set. Yeah. (laughs) Tag tag team. (laughs) People at home don't know that, that I'm pacing manically, because if I stop, I might fall over. This is Uh, what he's like at the studio back home. Yeah. No, I'm just, uh, I, uh, I, caught a, I caught a huge second wind after the show of, I mean, literally, it takes so, it takes so little to get me wired. That's just a decaf Americano, and I can feel, I, I'm like, my, my heart's the beating The idea fast. of coffee just gets you jittery. It really does, yeah. But I'll, but I'll sit down now. What an incredible day. How, how's your guys' day been so far? Are you good? Did you get into, did you see some of the panels? Did you get in to see some of the panels? See any of the panels Chris moderated? No, I didn't. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a light yes because of Hall H. It's hard to get into. <laughs> yeah. This is very exciting. Um, these two shows, we, we realized today, we didn't, this is our fifth year of doing podcasts at San Diego Comic-Con. The first one was in 2011 with uh, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan and we, Will, Will Wheaton. And then we did a second show with uh, the Rift Tracks guys. Yeah, yeah. And remember, Kevin Pereira. And Kevin, yeah. Remember we also gave out burritos. Yeah, Matt yeah. and Karen as part of a thing. They gave, yeah. Matt and Karen gave out burritos to people. I mean, it's so, like, they, because they had just, Matt had just taken over yeah. at that yeah. point. So the podcast has survived two doctor, two and a half doctors. That's like 800 years. <laughs> it's more than that, And if actually. you look under your seats right now, you each have a Matt Smith. There he goes. <laughs> you get a Matt Smith. And you get a Matt Smith. Yeah, what... Oh, hello. That was terrible. How <laughs> was, was that? I tried. Was, that was Chris Hardwick doing a poor good. impersonation. It's going to be a very... You know, I realize is that all of the guests for both these live podcasts completely international panels uh, tonight. International panel. <laughs> That's your synth band. And we're gonna international panel. <laughs> what are you doing? That's a synth band Multiple that I just joined. Hemispheres. <laughs> are you guys ready? All right, guys. Ooh, uh, we're gonna get right into this because. We uh, it's a great uh, show, Chris. Really great show. It's very it's 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 packed with goodness for you. Uh, you will not be disappointed you that you've chosen show. to spend your Saturday night with us. As I uh, let's just get them out here right on stage. Guillermo del Toro and Tom Hiddleston. I am well. How are you doing? I want you to know. I want you to know what these men are doing here. It's like I think you just got here. Did you just get, literally just get into town? Yeah. He got into town, did stuff all day long. They were doing panels and stuff, and then we made a request. Would you please do our podcast? What time is it? Does it start till ten thirty? And he said okay. So. <laughs> It's very nice to be here. Thank you very much for the warm welcome. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's very exciting because it, the, when, the, when you were on the podcast before, we were just in a conference room, basically, right, just, yeah. just sitting on a couch. And now we have a thousand people to keep us company. Yes, and they were very... <laughs> I can't see you, but you all look great. <laughs> hey, ease up. 
Guillermo, we did the um, we had the, we did the legendary panel today and showed um, amazing footage of Crimson Peak, and and I was I was telling. Um, I mean, it's such. <laughs> it is. It is. It is such a. It is such a lush tapestry of a ghost story, from what I can tell. And uh, seeing it up on the screen in Hall H was. Have you had you seen anything that at all from it? Yes, I had. I had actually have. Um, but it is. One of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, certainly the most beautiful film I've ever been in. It is so um, extraordinarily intricately created, and it's all come from the imagination of this man. Yes. Um. Viva Mexico! Guillermo, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, was on his very best behavior today yeah. and was aware that. And, and you, so you didn't drop F bombs at all. Fuck, 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 fuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And, but I just have to say... Motherfucker. Motherfucker. Because <laughs> I, I, I moderated the Fox panel later, and they showed the Deadpool trailer, and fuck was like every other word. So I'm like, Guillermo, you, I think the rule does not apply to you. Let, like, turn it into Hall F. I, Fucking I, drop. I wanted, I wanted to show that I am capable of restraint. <laughs> now I can. Now you can't. So just, just let's, let's get into Crimson Peak a little bit, and then we'll talk about some more, some more broad topics. Um... Why was this? Uh, why was Crimson Peak important to you to make? You know, I, I always loved gothic romance, and I think gothic romance uh, it has not been done in a while, to the point where people think uh, about gothic romance and they think of Fabio uh, shirtless holding a girl. I think of that anyway, <laughs> all the time. How do you guys get boners? I don't know. Yes. I yeah. Two Fabio. Well, it involves a horse and a very long mane of hair. And, and <laughs> Fabio helps. But I, I think it was the beauty of Gothic romance is that it's uh, disturbing, dark, beautiful, all at the same time. It's a very peculiar flavor. It has the trappings of a horror film in a way, but also the, the beauty of a fairy tale in many ways. And it's a very, very beautiful flavor. It was in vogue in the golden era of cinema with Jane Eyre, with Wuthering Heights, with uh, Dragon Wick, big productions. And I wanted to bring sort of a non-ironic, really earnest, beautiful retelling of that genre with a modern edge. So there is violence, there's nudity, mostly fucking Hiddlestone. (laughs) Well... I guess, uh, and to the very serious question, are we going to see Hiddlestone ass? Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, do we finally get to see Loki's pokey stick? No, don't. Don't do it. Don't do it, Matt. I, I have to say, I, Tom, I'm sorry. You don't deserve this. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? This is really, this is something you should really, first of all. Deep, uh, deep, uh, deep investigative journalism. Yes. <laughs> Tom is, is such a wonderful, sweet, and, and, and such a wonderful actor. That, and I wonder, you know, this is, with all the squeeing and the cheering and the Tumblr fans and everything, is there, <laughs> I mean, you could literally break Tumblr. Like, you're just, this smile could break Tumblr. And is it, you know, at some point, you just want to be like, guys, please, I'm, I'm an actor. Like, stop, like, don't do, you know, like, is that, is that I, I told, weird? I told, I said today, and it's true. They could find photographs of him in an alley grinding poppies 
And it'll be, ah, puppies. (laughs) So sweet. So, I guess my question is... I feel like in one of Guillermo's notebooks is an image of puppies being ground. Yeah. <laughs> and just a guy with a smile on his face. Can you, I mean, how do you, how do you even begin to process that side of it? Because I'm sure when you started out as an actor, it wasn't like that wasn't on your mind in terms of a phenomenon. It actually laughed. Oh, really? Wasn't it? <laughs> so how do, you, how do you get around that? How do you deal with it and process it? Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's we tease you because we're jealous. It's not a, you know, it's not a, it's just a thing. It's just a nice thing, you know. You guys are very kind to me, and um, oh, I don't know. I honestly, I could be real kind to you. What's that? I could be real kind to you. <laughs> I could be a giving, gentle lover like you've never known. <laughs> okay. Listen. <laughs> I'm so sorry. The only thing that would make this better is if Fabio came in on a horse and took you away. (laughs) (laughs) So, poor time. I was like, I just got off a fucking plane today for this. (laughs) No, it's all good, man. Yeah. (laughs) But, but yeah, how how does it, how does it affect, you know, like, how do you push that out of the way and, like, just, just focus on the work? Just simply that. I mean, you, I have to, that's my job. My job is to, is to play every role that I accept um, as truthfully as I can and, and make sure that it's a part of the world of the film that I'm making. You know, I'd, I guess I just follow my own heart. Um, and <laughs> this is the worst. This is the worst kind of like Adora bullying. Like I don't know. <laughs> he should say fuck. Yeah. yeah. Say fuck. Come on. Fuck. Yeah. See, it even sounds amazing. I mean, honestly, anyway, I hasten to add, I have said that word before in my life. That wasn't like the first utterance. No, I know that. But when we all say it, we sound so common. But what you'd say it was like, "Your Majesty." Like it's so. Yonder lies the castle of fuck. It's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> oh, I... Thou too shall fuck. <laughs> Has he been doing this to you all day? Oh yeah, yeah. Every, it's, it's this is a time honored tradition. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't what, know what else to say really? Apart well, from... so what was Crimson Peak like for you, and how did you get involved? Okay, well, it was it was amazing. Um, and uh, just to go back to the very beginning, um, Guillermo called me in August of 2013, and uh, he said, I'm going to send you a script tomorrow, and it's Crimson Peak, and I want you to look at Sir Thomas Sharp, and, um, and then just, just don't think about it. I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but read the script and, and let me know what you think. And uh, the script was sensational, terrifying. Um, deeply sophisticated, complex, um, and I found that it was uh, it was expressive of, of 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 a possibility that I'd never explored before as an actor. I'd never been in a in a story about ghosts. I loved ghost stories when I was growing up as a kid. I had an English teacher um, when so Friday afternoon sort of, you know, no one's concentrating anyway, and he would close the curtains in the classroom and read us all M.R. James ghost stories. Wow. And um, I'd always loved 
the spookiness of I, and I had loved Guillermo. I was in Jesuit school when they closed the curtains. We ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to run then? <laughs> um, anyway, and I it just I love the script. I love the character. I love the uh, I love the romantic aspects of the character. Um, I loved uh, the gothic aspects of the film, and I loved the story. And I just it was it was the fastest yes I think in my life. Um, wanted to work with this man. Um, and uh, from that, you know, let me make, we went off and made our film. Well, uh, Guillermo, when we did the panel today, Guillermo said something that I thought was really interesting that I, I, I don't know, maybe other directors do this, but I haven't heard anyone say this, where you, you all sit down before and you essentially just start talking about the character and you start asking questions and you, and you as Tom Hiddleston, will say, this makes sense, I like this, I don't like this, I like that. And you, and you really find the character together. Like, you, you make it as uniquely you as yeah. possible. Well, that, what's interesting is that there's a template there. There's a story and... and and I think you probably you're surprised by everybody's first instinct. So I, would, I read the script and I saw this man uh, in conflict with himself, um, reaching, pulled um, sort of compulsively towards the future. Uh, he's an engineer, he's an industrialist, he's an inventor, um, and, he's, and he's actually deeply gifted. And he could have become you know, one of the great industrialists that changed the world, and he wants to, and he has an innate uh, gift for that. And he's open-hearted and curious and, and, and wants to explore his life and his work. But he's weighted down by the, the past. past. Yeah. Yeah. And the past is, is haunted in many respects. It's, uh, it's haunted psychologically and emotionally. Um, and he's accountable to that. And so there's this amazing tension between, between escaping what he, his inheritance physically in the, in the house, Crimson Peak, Alladeo Hall, and, and emotionally, and, and, and rushing towards who he wants to be. So it, I found that fascinating, and then I think we talked about that, and, and we ex- made that even bigger. You know, we made his, his struggle to take control of his destiny even stronger, in a way. Well, and when you, when you create these characters, I think in Gothic romance, the most interesting characters are the darker characters in many ways. They are much more... Uh, convoluted and complex and difficult uh, to play, but also if you finish the movie and people that have committed heinous acts, you still love. It, it, we did our job right, you know, and, and, and we generated these uh, biographies, 10 pages of biography for each actor, and we, can, we have something to argue about. It's not just the script, it's the biography, and we talk about, I, in the biography I lay out his life from birth and even from before birth, how his parents met, who they were, blah, 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 all the way to the beginning of the screenplay. And if they survive, I, I continue after the screenplay. <laughs> if they don't, that's where the biography ends. But it's a really great tool to discuss stuff. The movie has many, many things that are very, very subtle. I mean, uh, the movies, when I make them, as we discussed in the past, I try to put a lot of information visually that is not eye candy, I call it eye protein. Because it, it really actually is beautiful, but it's nutritious. It's, it's telling you things about uh, the character, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Lucille's room, his room, we planned it. The last object that was there had a meaning. And, and if you pay attention, you, you watch it. The people that like the movies I make, I find often that they are creators. 
They are people that draw, they are people that are com composers, artists, video game designers, and, and they notice these things, and I guess that's why we connect. Wonderful. And as, as, a prof as an actor, yes, of course. And some of them are fat, which I like. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. I, acting, uh, I feel like there's so many different... Uh, so many different facets of acting the way things are done now with technology mm. so for, you know between doing a film where you're essentially in you know maybe in green pajamas or there's a green screen or you're having to pretend and yeah. everything's oh we'll put all this around you versus you know everything in crimson uh, is it, it, it I mean lush is the best word I can it's such a vibrant world it's real do you have a do you have a preference as an actor or is it all the same to you well Someone said, my, someone said to me, acting is being truthful in imaginary circumstances. And... Aww. <laughs> I just keep... I keep saying stuff, and Guillermo can keep saying, oh. Okay. Um, anyway, so in this particular circumstance, there was a lot less to have to imagine. And that was very liberating, is sometimes you find yourself as an actor in a, in a place, and, and you're there. And you don't have to do any work supplying the context with your imagination. You know, something like um, in, in the Thor films, you know, quite often we are, it is, there is nothing there. There is, there is just a green screen. I'm having to imagine the physical world. I'm having to imagine whatever monster I'm reacting to or whatever, you know, doing Avengers. Um, you know, when I, any scenes I had with, with Iron Man or with the Hulk, there is no Iron Man, there is no Hulk. It's just me in the green screen. So I'm imagining that. Whereas with Crimson... It was all there. Everything was there. There was nothing I had to imagine, which is very liberating in another way because you just have to show up and be present. And we, we even created the... One of the things I insisted was I wanted practical makeup effects. Again, I mean, I'm a, a lover of that thing. Thank you. And, uh, and uh, one of the things we devised is... Uh, I said I want the translucency of the ghosts... To, to be done, but I don't want to do two passes, I don't want to do a motion control. We came up with ways of doing it, and, and the ghosts are gorgeous, but they were there. They were, it was Doug Jones, and, and he was playing a couple Doug of Jones bands. Doug Jones is awesome. Jones, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, and Javier, who played um, Mama, you know, the guy that played Mama, they were both there, they're the skinniest motherfuckers I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, they, if I've ever looked fat and I've always looked fat that was the day I looked the fattest and, and, but they were there they were there for the actors to react and everything was physical there and, and that's because they're mostly eating eye protein it's it yeah. it is they are on that diet the liquid and eye protein that, but the, the beauty of that is, is uh, I, I think that when you're a director or an actor and you build a set is, is the, you are informed by that in a different way mm. you are and, and I think it's worth preserving. Uh, I said, half jokingly, I wanted Crimson to feel like a handmade film. I wanted people to love the craftsmanship. We imported lace from 1800s for the, for the wardrobe. We made sure that the stitching of the clothes was the right way. Is, there, is anyone going to say in the review, the stitching was amazing? No. But I think, I think you feel it. As an yes. audience, you go, this, somebody worked really hard for you this. You definitely, I think audiences, and I, I think it does actually does appear in the reviews because uh, people do subconsciously 
they absorb and appreciate authenticity, and they know when they know when they see it, and they know when you're lying. Yeah. yeah. Especially on a big screen, they can tell yeah, when yeah. you're lying. They can tell when you half-assed it, and yeah. so uh, what happens is that that authority and that authenticity is um, every decision is infected by it, mm-hmm. and so what happens is it, that all adds up to something that gives the impression of. People, that people really cared about what they were doing. Nobody, every tiny decision, the color of a tablecloth, the way a cravat is tied, um, the wallpaper, if you care about that, then that adds up to something that just is, um, it's something, it's a world you can disappear in. I can't tell you, I saw this film on Thursday. It is so beautiful. I mean, it's really, truly amazing. I'm, it's my privilege to be in it. It's like, it's a feast. It's so rich. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, but like, regardless of the story, you just want to look at it because it's all, there's just so much to look at. It's amazing. And truly. Wh- wh- whoever falls in love with this movie will fall in love with an entire world. And that's my hope when I, when I. Points. <laughs> <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> I, and I have a less uh, studied accent than this man, but I do have a fucking accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, to us, you do, but it's just, you know. <laughs> but I, I'm also, because, uh, Tom, already, uh, just, you're still a young guy, and you still have so many Aww. years left of... <laughs> it, I, don't, I, I, think people, I think people really will remember you for being... Uh, a, a, an actor, actor. I mean, not just not just as Loki, or not just as, but you know, it's like he's playing. You're playing Hank Williams. You know, like this is uh, this is that's not that's not a role that that anyone would just give to someone lightly. You know, so what what sort of responsibility? Or do you even think about the responsibility for for something like that? And what was the experience? Like? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, the responsibility. I always feel responsibility about playing any character because somewhere, somewhere in the, someone in the world really cares about that character and um, you know, the same could be true for any of the characters I've played whether it's Loki or F. Scott Fitzgerald or Henry V or um, you know, they, these are people who people have an opinion about um, and, uh, and Hank is, is you know, an icon of American songwriting and, um, and so different from me in so many ways you know, he he had a terrible, tragic life, but he wrote this extraordinary music, and, and he was obviously a source of joy to so many people. And um, I loved it, to be honest. I mean, it, when I said yes, it seemed like an, a sort of uh, an unclimbable mountain. <laughs> it just seemed so challenging. Everything about it was challenging. Singing, playing, um, playing an American, playing a, uh, an American from 40s Alabama, um, uh, you know, alcoholism, spina bifida, uh, several marriages. Just keep just, piling it on. Yeah. Um, you made great music, though. It was yeah, worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, I, honestly, it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my entire life. It was, um, I'm so proud of the film. I've seen it, and uh, I'm so proud of it. The, the, I think it contains a mixture of, I think you see what it cost him to live his life, you see how much, um, in a way, his schedule as a performer and the pressure on him to keep generating material um, and performing live with his own personal issues, it really you know, cost him, it cost him his life. He died at 29. Um, but you also see the, 
the joy he gave to people. And I, I'm really happy that there's a mixture of those things. I mean, it's, a, it's some heavy moments in the film, but there's also some moments of sheer joy, um, which I found expressed my own joy of performing. And then there's something very... I just have always loved it, standing on a stage and, and, and giving people a good time. And... Uh, thank you. <laughs> Dance! <laughs> and, Gosh darn! <laughs> Good Lord's will in the creek don't rise. I'll be there soon. Oh, um, so good. <laughs> now this thing that you've learned—it's yeah. almost like it's, it's almost like when you figure out how to do a card trick or something. It's like you just have the skill. Like that guy's in your head now. I feel, I feel weirdly related to him. I mean, I, I lived in his skin for about four months, and so it's like he's always kind of there, you know. Yeah, right you there. should just you should just show up at bars in the south and play <laughs> fucking Hank Williams songs on like open mic nights. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> Freak everybody out. Yeah. Maybe I will. Um, no, so I, I, I really love that, that aspect of like... Does anyone have a guitar? <laughs> they're all back in he LA. He has a ton. <laughs> yeah. That's got like 30, but they're all lefties. Sorry. I don't know. Yeah. So, but it, it, by the way, it's also just has these extraordinary other... These performances from other actors in it. Elizabeth Olsen, Cherry Jones, Bradley Whitford, Maddie Hassan. They are... It's, it's a film about people and, and all the people in this guy's life. And, and you really get the sense of this. It's a film about one relationship with Hank and Audrey in a marriage. Um, I don't know how much people know about his life, but um, it was fascinating. It, was, it's, it sounds like a cliche now because so many of our greatest performers have almost gone the same way. Is there something about fame and their popularity that, and and the nature of the way they produce work is that their small physical bodies can't take the pressure and they leave us too soon. Um, and uh, I found... I have no small body or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not pressure. Well, yeah, of course, that time it's not like... Aww. Aww. We're such a... Uh... <laughs> We're such, we're such a culture of um, fame and everyone has a voice and everyone has notoriety. The internet makes everyone noticed. And, but at that time, I mean, how do you, who do you even talk to about this? Well, I this? think he was completely unprepared for it. You know, he, he, he grew up in it from a very, very poor family, um, very absent father, uh, a mother who was, who was you know, um, running a boarding house and had her own issues. And, and, and suddenly, out of nowhere, he was the biggest singer and songwriter in the south and and he had all of that um exposure very very fast and i think i think he always wanted it and then as soon as he got there he didn't want it anymore um there was an amazing documentary i saw about him one of his old bandmates the drifting cowboys um was saying uh i can't remember i can't remember what he said exactly but it was like he was like hank always wanted to get there he wanted to get up there and be in that spotlight and play and be the center of the world. And he got there and didn't want to be the center of the world no more. Wow. He wanted and, out. And just because it just was too foreign and weird? I think it was just suddenly, suddenly something that was authentic in him, this amazing music. And he sang about his own life. He sang about being in the doghouse. All the, other, all the people who listened to his music. Oh, sure. You know, it's like, you know, he went out, got drunk, came back, and the wife was furious, put him in the doghouse. He wrote a song about it. It becomes a hit. And it's, the song is real. You know, I'm in the doghouse. And, and all these other guys, you know, these American men and women connect to it because it's real. And, and then suddenly record labels are saying, write another one. And he's like, 
well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not just going to manufacture another. And so suddenly it has his authentic sound and voice has a currency and people are putting pressure on him to make money. The money's not going to him. And also he's driving around the country performing, playing gigs, playing radio shows, doing gigs at night. And that thing, if I didn't really realize, but when you're a country singer back then, you'd play a radio show very early in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, and you'd play, and then you'd get, and then you'd play a gig that night, and then you'd go out and you'd have a couple of drinks, and then you'd get in the car and drive, you know, seven hours to the next town to play the radio show in the next town. So they're in the car and they can't sleep, and they'd all take uppers and downers, and Benzedrine was prescribed over the counter. You know, these are things that are unkind to a human body. So, anyway. What did, what did you learn about your own? Did you, did you learn anything about your own journey and about dealing with success and fame and being in the spotlight at all? Um, uh, <laughs> it was... No. No, <laughs> no it was... It was it, we, we talked about it. Mark Abraham, the director and the writer, we talked a lot about... Um, it was interesting, and it relates to Crimson, about... Um, there's, a, there's a scene in the film with a, with a journalist... And the journalist asks him that question. Says, "Where does this come from? Why do you do it?" And a lot of his songs, there's a lot of sadness and soul in their songs. You know, he sings, "I'm so lonesome I could cry." He's one of the first men oh. to. <laughs> but you know, he's he's a man saying that, and he's one of the first men in sort of American culture to say, "I'm cry- I'm gonna cry." You know, it's we've become so used to that now, and um, and uh, we talked about where it comes from, and and we talked about the fact that so there's something magnetic and appealing about performers who are brave enough to lean into the darkness in a way and like and uh, something Anthony Hopkins once said to me um, but say it like Anthony Hopkins okay <laughs> he said he said um, he said is it, is it interesting it's interesting being an actor being an actor being playing the bad guy I know I've played the bad guy a few times um so I've played, I've played lots of parts in my life. I've played kings and kings and butlers and poets and princes and warriors. But people stop me in the street. They ask me about one man. Who do you think that man is? Hannibal Lecter. Absolutely right. They ask me about Hannibal Lecter. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, says, earlier tonight, Sir Ben Kingsley did his Anthony Hopkins impression. Yours is way better. Oh, yeah. I know about that. Did he, did he answer it? But then he said, he said, he said why? Why, why do they want to talk about Hannibal Lecter? And here's my theories. I think people like, people like, they like their lives to be full of, of love and friendship and laughter and happiness. They like to have good lives, happy lives, full of the things that make us feel good. But we like to all go into a dark room on a Friday night. We like to sit there all together in a dark room and you like to see someone go and lean into the darkness. We like to see that on the screen. We like to see it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, but we don't. <laughs> Well, I have to say, uh, so that was my motherfucking Anthony Hopkins fucking impression. <laughs> this, this, I have, by, by the way, when people ask, how is it working with him and Crimson, these were our lunches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he can imitate most anybody. Yeah, there's you know, videos of you like just doing strings yeah, of characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. It was anecdote after anecdote. You know, every, Dookie every Ermo. <laughs> he just did. He just did. All right. I have fucking come all of this no. way. <laughs> well, 
We've, uh, we've kept you out here uh, for about as long as we can because I know you guys have one more thing you have to go to. We can't, you can't, you don't own these people. They have lives. <laughs> no, 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 no. You fucking own us. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, my God. I've never felt so much power in my what life. What are you talking about? I've never felt so much power in my life. I, I climbed a fucking staircase. You know what that means for me? I know. <laughs> You're going to send me back and climb it down? I gotta rest. Are you going to fucking send me down the fucking staircase again? <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen to me. I don't want to go yet. <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> Stimpy. Uh, Another fucking question, motherfucker. You sound like fucking Stimpy. You sound like Ren, a little bit. Ren, like Ren. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am like the bumblebee man in The Simpsons. A little bit. Si, si, me gusta. I, I, just, I know. As, as we're shouting this out, I think, would, 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 would you mind just, you know, that you have been so embraced by Tumblr adores you. Would you just once say hello to Tumblr back? Just say hi, Tumblr. Uh, hi, Tumblr. Yeah, oh. there you go. And uh, now uh, Tumblr is pregnant. Uh, that's how that works. But this has been so wonderful. And Tom, thank you so much for coming. I know what a grueling schedule you had today, and Guillermo as well. I, I would like to announce that we announced at the, at the panel today that uh, Allerdale Hall is actually going to be part of Universal Horror Nights this year, that you'll be able to, to walk through it. So I'm very excited about that. But I hope you can you guys... visit uh, live at Universal. Yeah. I'll be there the first day if you want to hang out. Guillermo will be there. But I'm so, uh, I'm so excited to see the movie, and I'm so excited to see Aww, Hank Williams and everything else you do. You've always been so kind and generous with your time, Tom. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you so sir. much. Huge hand for Guillermo del Toro. Good Tom Good Tom One more curtain call. <laughs> that charming, handsome son of a bitch. I know. Oh, Tom Hiddleston is cool too. He was cool. Are we all go- are we all good to go? Bexley, are we ready to? Are we ready for next? Our next? Uh, does anyone? You have his baby? You have Guillermo's baby? I have your baby! I want to make sure. <laughs> Does his wife know? <laughs> they got to fire that babysitter. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what an amazing guy. That's nice guys. Guillermo, guys. I love, what I love about Guillermo is he's like, his brain doesn't shut off ever. And... Uh, the Oz crack me up every time. Yeah. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, oh, if I was doing this to Chris, he'd be like, shut the fuck up, Matt. Yeah, I would. I would. Like, by the, by the fifth time, I'd be like, Matt, please, yeah. Katie, edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> too real. Too real. Yeah. Um, 
I think we're on. I think they're actually chatting back there. Oh, are you all, Are you ready? Can I introduce you? Okay, I'm so excited, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome to the stage, Maisie Williams. Awesome. Welcome, Welcome to our program. Thank you for having me. There's so many people. I know. And, and I want you to know uh, there is nothing but, but love for you here. That people are so excited. Thank you so much. This is such a nice end to my Comic-Con experience. How's it been? It's been so much fun. It's been amazing. But this is a really, really great way to end it. So thank you all for coming. Of course. Of course. Well, this will be just a very loose conversational chat. We're not trying to interrogate you in any way. But, um, These lights kind of feel like it. It does you know? feel like that. <laughs> Where were you the night of October 4th? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Why are you from the 40s? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Why am I in the 40s? <laughs> uh, ask these two palookas over here. Hey, wise guy. <laughs> Y'all are giving me the creeps, man. <laughs> I'm in a different time period. Yeah. yeah. That's just sound like an 80s the, street guy. I think yeah, I'm true. in... I'm in the 20s with this outfit. Yes, yes you are. Yeah. You look fantastic. <laughs> you know, I, 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 obviously, um, I'm a fan of your show, but, I, but I'm also a fan of how you use social media. <laughs> You're so funny. Thank and, you. And uh, I think um, uh, there, just the video of you doing the, that cinnamon challenge Oh, my God. Was... Did what you see that? What on earth possessed you to do that? Well, it was just like, it went viral and everyone was doing the cinnamon challenge, so I did as well. <laughs> I thought everyone did it. It was funny. How awful was it? It was disgusting. Of it was so bad. I thought it'd be so easy, but cinnamon is <laughs> awful. There's awful a reason uh, the... Ing- it's the called der- a challenge. Yeah, well, also, and the instructions always say to sprinkle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a whole, like, spoonful. Oh, man. I rem- That's good, though. I guess so. I mean, it's just something that you try. You know, when I do, you know what pixie sticks are? No. Pixie sticks are basically if they're an American Should treat. Should I? Oh no! No, no, no! no it's an American, American candy. Back yeah. the fuck off! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? How dare you? She's not from our land. She has Cadbury chocolate and Mars bars. <laughs> wow. This. This pixie stick outrage is... It's not their fault. They eat bloody things and Marmite, uh, whatever that is. Yeah. They didn't have salt till the 70s. And Heinz beans. And Heinz beans. Yeah. And, and pickles, which are different over there. Yeah, we call them gherkins. Gherkins, yeah. Gherkins. But your pickles are actually like chutney-like, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. cheese and pickle? Yes. That's good. Um... But pixie sticks. <laughs> Wait, I'm just learning a lot. Gherkins? You just call them gherkins? Yeah, like the like little... the brand gherkins. No, isn't there like, a brand you, called? No, it's, an, it's like a pickle that you get in a burger. Uh huh. It's called a gherkin. It's not like a brand. It's I don't like, believe you. That's what they... <laughs> <laughs> it's not provable. It's not provable. No, but I, for some reason, <laughs> in the same. <laughs> Matt, she's killed many men before you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you. You would fall Watch quite yourself. easily to the... Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. I couldn't even get my pants on. <laughs> I'd be like, I gotta get out of here! But uh, I did a very similar thing when I was, when I was a kid. And, and, I, and I guess it's just a thing you try because you're like, you're experimenting with the... I wonder what this is like. My friends and I, because uh, it was the 80s and we watched a lot of movies we weren't supposed to watch, we took pixie sticks and put them on our hands. Oh, and no. Went, <laughs> like this. And then... 
instantly, Jesus Christ! Like it was the. Is what it is sweet? It? What is no, it? No, it's like sugar crystals in your sinuses. It burned more than anything. Why I- did yeah, you it burned do that? so good. I don't know. You did the cinnamon challenge, and and you can't. <laughs> yeah, but there was no kids. Do the cocaine challenge. No, no kids. Look, there is a coke challenge. Kids, uh, kids do not do the cocaine challenge. <laughs> Do not do it with pixie sticks. Do not do it with cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> do not mix the two. Uh, oh but God. but the crystals are so large and they get lodged in your side. Oh and you God. can't. You're like an animal. You know, like when a dog gets something in its nose and it's like, <laughs> yeah. like that was that was the rest of that. You night. can't tell, like, because everything's linked. So you're like, where is it? That's so <laughs> it's, weird. <laughs> it's traveling around. Yeah. yeah. But but I always I've always admired how funny how funny you are and, <laughs> and is I mean is is comedy because your shows. A little intense. Yeah. Um, is that a reaction to the intensity of the show, or are you both? I think. Well, I just like lots of things make me laugh, and I have quite a, like different dark sense of humor. So when I'm like jet lagged or I'm just up at night, then I go on Twitter, and because we're, we're a different time zone for all of you guys, there's always someone that's awake that will <laughs> laugh at my awful jokes. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm very funny. I think that I'm just bit different. Well, I think that's I think that's important though because I think that's one of the reasons why people love you so much is that like that so many people that you can be a serious act, actor, actress, performer, but you can also have fun. And I and I yeah. feel like a lot of people are afraid to do that publicly because they're like, oh, I don't want to look silly. Right. And I just think like I never planned to get into this industry ever and then now I'm here. I'm just just going to do me and hope that people like it. What did you Well, they seem to what did you think? I mean, you've been working on Thrones since when you were, what, like 14, 13, 14? 12. 12. So, <laughs> I mean, at that, at that point, were you even thinking about what you wanted to do? No, I always wanted to be a dancer. And then I, um, there's like, it's such a Billy Elliot story. There's this flyer that came into my dance school. and I wish it just I, fell in the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Flitted in, in at the beginning of Forrest Gump. And, and um, yeah, and it was like for this talent show to just showcase your talents, obviously, <laughs> um, in, front of, in front of people that could potentially change your life. And then there I met um, a, ca- a um, agent called Louise Johnson. And she said, I think you should do acting. And I was like, I'm kind of more of a dancer, but okay. I did my first audition and I didn't get the part. And I was like, see, told you so. <laughs> this isn't, I don't really know what we're doing here. And then my second audition was for Game of Thrones. And then Jeez. that was just the pilot. It was just the first episode. And then it got picked up and then people t- turned out to really like it. And <laughs> then now I'm like here with all of you. And I still don't really know how it all happened. <laughs> but I'm really so grateful. Nice. So thank you. It's fun. It's fun to watch like, when 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 they're able to all get you together as a cast, and then you know sometimes it seems we're like you're... such misfits. Like you look at a cast of a show, and it's like there's the cast, but we're all different heights, shapes, sizes, different ethnicities, and we're all here. Like this is Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, yeah, but um, because it, it seems like you get the question like, oh, do you guys all have fun on the set? And some, and what I what I gather is like. We don't ever work together. Exactly. So we never get to see each other. And then when we do, it's cold and rainy. Or unless you're part of the warmer storylines and then you have a great time. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. And then so when we come to events like this, it's so nice to be with everyone. And we're all in such great moods and everyone's really positive and... Yeah, so we, this is the time where we all get to hang out. So it's like the best time for us to all be doing interviews because we love each other. I mean, when you, 
you know, when you, when you, this, this is your first job and you, and you thought, oh, I might want to be a dancer, and then you get a Game of Thrones, and your life just like, instantly gets shitty on the show, and you're like, oh my God, what do I get? And I spent like five years in the same outfit with mud and blood. <laughs> just sleeping in the dirt. Yeah, exactly. How did this happen? With a weird murderer. This is not what I signed up for. Yeah, I know. I mean, at a certain point, we're, did, you, did that start to become exciting about it, or were you like, oh, this it is... It was exciting the whole way through. Um, uh, apparently, our pilot was shot on film, but I didn't even know, because I was just, like, chasing the chickens on set, and, like, it was so much fun. <laughs> I was the most annoying child ever. There's an episode in season one where there's a character called Sir Hugh, and he has a bad day on the joust where he gets, like, a massive shard of wood in his neck, and me and Sophie were following around the actor who played Sir Hugh all day... <laughs> going, Sir Who? Sir Hugh? Sir Hugh? Sir Hugh? All day. I shit you not. All day. We followed him around. And I look back now and I'm like, God, I'm so annoying. <laughs> but that was like, literally sums up my time on Game of Thrones. Like when I was younger, I just had a complete laugh. I was like, yeah, I'm out of school. Whatever. Let's have fun. Yeah. You down to party? And everyone's like, you're like 12. Why are you so annoying? <laughs> Why are you here? But yeah, and now the show is what it is and I've grown up and matured a little bit and I'm not still following around the same guy saying so who so you you've got you have to just turn up wherever that guy is now six <laughs> years later but just really creepy so who so you I know now that Arya's darkened a bit now like that it changes darkened a bit yeah a little bit yeah just a speck it's such a you know it's uh, I mean the show is so brutal to anyone nice or good yeah that, that almost just the lesson is like no you gotta be an asshole if you want to survive I guess exactly it kind of seems that way I feel like in last season when Joffrey died we sort of got a little bit of what we wanted no? yeah yeah of course but yeah it, it doesn't really reward the good characters very well so you probably should pick a Lannister as your favourite character <laughs> <laughs> damn it <laughs> and so, uh, you know, moving forward, obviously you're still on the show, but it, do, you, do you see, wh- what do you want to do? Like, wh- what do you see as your, you know, the, you have your whole life ahead of you. It's an exciting, you could do anything. Like, I know. I, I have no plan, but I've never really had a plan, and it's gone all right so far. And I feel like <laughs> anyone who has a plan is just lying. They don't really have a plan. No one knows what they want to do in life. And I think that's the best way to live. Yeah. I, in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to do stage stuff. I want to dance at some point, because that was what I set out to do. <laughs> and then I want to do movies. There's lots of characters I want to play. There's lots of people I want to work with. But I don't have a plan. And people are like, what's the role that you want to play? And I'm like, I have ideas of characters that I like, but I don't have a, a real plan. But that's okay. Do you, I'm not do you, worried about that. Do you? Oh man, that you have the perfect. Oh man, I wish I was 18. Because uh, <laughs> I, I just feel the crushing weight of time every single day. Like <laughs> I gotta cram it all in, or it's all over in the blink of an eye. And you're just like the time is endless. Like yeah, it's so, <laughs> just get so jealous. I'm it's sorry. also refreshing to meet an 18 year old who's aware that they don't know what the fuck they're gonna it's do. It's so great. <laughs> it's and so, all my friends are like, you've got it all figured out, and I'm like, I actually don't. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know what I'm gonna do when the show ends, but hey. Maybe you know, I'll buy some gherkins for burgers. <laughs> yeah. 
but that's the uh, but but that's but I feel like that's what people most people feel like inside. I think you're right. I think that's what most people feel like all, all this. I mean, even the people that you think like have it all figured out and inside. Because if you just... have a plan and it doesn't go to plan, then you're just disappointed. Right. So just don't have a plan, and then everything's a bonus. <laughs> that's how I'm gonna live, anyways. Put that on a shirt. You should put that on a shirt. Just your people face. Are, like all the time when you do an interview, it's like, "What's your five-year plan?" And I'm like, "I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry." Well, no, because a lot of uh, you know, particularly when you see young actors, uh, young younger, even when they were like twelve or thirteen. Uh, and they're so hyper articulate, and it's so much like this was a very important role. This was a very important role for me, and it's portraying this character embodying. And they're like, "How do you know what the fuck you're talking about?" <laughs> exactly. I think, like, I feel like I've matured a lot on this show, and matured like a lot quicker than I would have if I didn't act and stuff. And coming on things like this, like speaking publicly and stuff, it's something that I was never very good at. But the publicist for the show, Mara, who's actually here has just done so well with the kids on the show and given us enough limelight to, you know, for the characters that we play, we play iconic roles on the show and we deserve um, to be able to celebrate that. But she also didn't do too much too young, so we weren't too overwhelmed. And she's, like, got it right. I mean, last year was my first Comic-Con and I remember the years before thinking, oh, I want to go to Comic-Con. Like, I'm sure people would want to meet Arya. And then, and I was just never... (laughs) (laughs) But I was... I wasn't ready, and I totally wasn't ready, and, and we're lucky enough to have someone who's kind of got our backs in that sense and is making sure that we're always comfortable and not overwhelmed in this whole process. That's great. I mean, because it's so... I mean, just... Because it's crazy. It's it totally is. crazy. This industry is so wild, and um, I don't know who designed my dress. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the it, 20s. so why does it matter? <laughs> And yeah, I think, yeah, I just little things like that in this industry, it's nice to have someone who's got your back. Well, I just think, and not that you ask me or give a shit what I think, but, I, but as... <laughs> hey, as, Chris, what do you think? Shut up, man. Uh, <laughs> as sort of the elder statesman here, and because I, I've, been, I've been around for a while and I've been working for a long time, and, and, so, and the people that I've seen emerge from the position that you're in now, it just, it, it's important to them, their work is important, but it's not everything. Right, and I think... People keep saying, like, don't change, don't never change. And I'm like, I understand that, but, like, I'm not going to be the same as I was when I was 12 forever. Like, no yeah. one is. Well, you was. can be. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then it's this, like, pressure and, like, at this, like, time in your life where your body's totally changing and you're trying to figure out, like, who you are and stuff. And then doing that in the limelight is also really, really difficult. Especially and, with social media. I mean, yeah. it, I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I know people love you and I know most people are nice to you, but obviously they're assholes on the internet and so you know I just I hope that it keeps you grounded though whenever you're like oh this is amazing someone's like you look ugly and then you're like okay fair enough (laughs) (laughs) okay bringing it back to reality nothing this isn't a fairy tale you know as long as as as, as long as as long as that's as far as it goes and and I hope because I know I know the internet can be cruel and I know people can be cruel especially to women and especially to young women uh, and because uh, it's populated by sexually frustrated trolls whose mothers didn't love them. Uh, sorry sorry and, about that, everybody. And so they don't know how to speak respectfully to women. And I, I apologize on behalf of, 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 the of whole that. Sexu- for everyone. So now we're good. Uh, 
<laughs> Problem solved. Problem solved. We did it. Uh, you're welcome. Chris, why'd you wait till now? I don't know. I could have done this ages ago. Everything would have been fine. But, uh, but, but, but I just hope that, you know, I, I really hope that, that people like yourself and people of your generation, and especially young women, don't take that shit to heart because that's not, that's not really who humanity internet. is. I think the internet and technology is a really, really wonderful thing. And of course, there are people that use it wrongly and, and that you're always going to get that in absolutely everything. Like There's people that can't drive, but they're still driving and they're still coming into my lane. <laughs> but, you know, that's life. And, um, yeah, I kind of look at the internet and technology like that. Yeah, dude. Some people shouldn't, but they still do. <laughs> well, it's just that, um, you know, it, it, people do really make it their world. And it's because it, it is. It's very, it's addictive and it's, it's escapism. And it, and, and it, 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 people feel like they know you. Of course. Which is understandable because I watch shows and then I see someone at an award show and I'm like, oh, hi. And I'm like, you don't know me. And I, so I totally get it. I understand it completely. Um, but I think, like, just the littlest comments that you think, oh, she'll never see that. Like, you, we read these and it does hurt and it is upsetting. And you just got to, we, like, we're all real people. And we all cry and we all laugh. And, like, that's the way that it is. And, like, people pretend that in this industry, like, you've got to have a thick skin. And I'm, I still haven't built that up. And I don't mind. Like, yeah, things get me down and whatever. But, you know, I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see these people... Thank you. It's so nice. You're to certainly be here. more well adjusted than Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Aww. <laughs> Were you here for the first part of the podcast? No, I was here for like the last couple of minutes. And Guillermo- Tom came out and he was like, You're hilarious, man. You're so funny. I was like, Oh my God, they were really funny. What am I going to do? No, you're, you've been fantastic. <laughs> but but uh, Guillermo was hazing Tom uh, because uh, Tom is a vision of adorable. And. Uh, <laughs> And so everything Tom said... The Tumblr thing made me laugh because yeah. I'm all over the, t- the Tom Hiddleston Tumblr tag. <laughs> I'm all over it. I'm like... <laughs> so when, when he said, hi, Tumblr, I was like, I'm going to see that later and I can't wait. <laughs> I hope someone gifts. was filming that so it can be a gif. Yes. It'll Please. be it. Yeah, so, the people. Someone will get it. Even, even though we tell people not to film stuff, someone had it. I'm sure someone had it. <laughs> um, so, oh my gosh. Oh, this is so wonderful that you're signing to someone in the audience. I don't know if we've, I don't know if we've had that before. Hi. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love you too. But now they're signing everything we everything say. Everything we say. <gasps> also, this is not part of the presentation. I am being held hostage. I need you to please <laughs> get the authorities. This is not what they're talking about right now. <laughs> Uh, she doesn't know what to do. <laughs> they said I couldn't see my family again unless I did everything. Uh, too legit. Too legit to quit. Too legit. Too legit to quit. She's doing it. I, I've always wanted to know what this was. Stop. Hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Thank you so much. Honestly, thank you so much. We're, we're honored That's to have so you here. Spelting my brain. <laughs> what is happening? I know. It's so great. Is this your last day at Comedy? Do you have to do anything yeah, tomorrow? I, no, I leave tomorrow, but we want to go and ride some jet skis. So you're gonna ride your jet skis. We can do that. You can do that well, here. We were like eating some seafood at this like restaurant. I forgot the yeah, word. Yeah, so we call them. <laughs> In America, we call them restaurants. Yeah. Oh. Oh, in England, they call them eaty loos. 
Loose. <laughs> 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 Why is that so funny? Because they call well, a toilet the loo. I know. So you're like, oh, this, 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 we're going to go to the Edie loo. <laughs> right. Like the English are so efficient, they shit while eating. <laughs> this, like, just went south really fast. <laughs> no, but I was at a restaurant and I saw some people riding jet skis and I said, I don't know if that's their own jet skis, but we're going to find them and we're going to ride them. I mean, the, I, I, know this sound, I know this must sound, so we take the weather for granted here, but to you, this must be a wonderland. I know, I was just at an EW party and it's outside and I was like, won't it rain? No, it won't. We're in California. <laughs> <laughs> I want that to be a gift. So every day I check the weather, it's just Maisie going, will it rain? No, it won't. <laughs> will, will you do me a favor? Will you please do the, 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 will you please do that and I'll take a picture of it and then it can become a meme? Like, okay. will it rain? No, it won't. Yeah, I got it. Perfect. Perfect. Will it rain? No, it won't. No. It's California. That's so true of all of California because we're in a terrible drought. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is I'm perfect. Sorry. I'm sorry. This is perfect. <laughs> it's okay. I know. Oh it's okay. Everyone, everyone else in California comes out like, will it rain? No. No. It won't. It's California. Oh, my God. I feel so bad. No, don't worry about it. It's, it's fine. It's hilarious. Tom Selleck just got in trouble for stealing water on his ranch. Yeah. He, he was stealing water in another county from a, from a fire hydrant. Oh you know, for God. fires. You know what? The Selix mustache made him do it. Yeah. <laughs> Robin Masters made him do it. That's so strange because it rains every day in the UK. What's the opposite of a drought? The, the UK. The UK. <laughs> there we go. And that's where I live. <laughs> you live in a, a moist, damp climate. <laughs> do, you, do you ever see yourself living somewhere else? Um, I love New York. That is my favorite place in the States, I think. Yeah. But I did spend a lot of time in Louisiana, and the food was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I had a crawfish boil. Yeah. yeah. They just, like, throw and them you in. Like, yeah, and you, like, have to... It looks like an animal yeah. when you're eating it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They kind That's of are. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, everything's, like, packaged these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, of course. Was, like, so, you see it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it, does, it, it, it does sort of feel like... Uh, uh, you're just, it's, like, you're, it's like a lot of effort, so you end up not eating as much, but you're like, really want to eat loads, but it's so long to like... Yeah, whereas I'm like, I'm just burning calories eating. I might as well keep going. <laughs> keep going forever. Must burn like 200 peeling that guy One for each of the legs. <laughs> so what happens when you go back, but when you're going back, when you're going back home? I'm leaving tomorrow. Okay. Um, and I start shooting Game of Thrones on the 16th. Oh, Wow. I mean, it's it's going to be a really, really cool year. So, listen, I, I haven't, like, re- got the scripts yet, but I've had, like, um, like, some meetings for, like, costume and stuff and, like, the little snippets that I've heard for the new season. I'm excited. Of course. So the names John S- and Snow <laughs> show up, and that's for script read. Hang on. Let me just ask her to do the weather. Will it snow? <laughs> Matt! No. Matt! Matt, this is California. Not no. gonna snow. <laughs> Not gonna snow. Not gonna snow. No, um, oh, she I don't the scripts yet. She really know. know how to put this, but he did. John Snow's dead. Whoa! Doesn't yeah. mean he's gone. I know, and I felt like this was going so well, and now you all hate me. Well, you didn't do it. It's not your fault. No, it's not my fault. But there's so many other characters that are really <laughs> exciting. <laughs> 
And so we're going to have a great year that we don't need Jon Snow. So just that be excited. That was the perfect Vogue. <laughs> that was the perfect Vogue. I mean, it was, it, it, I was talking to um, Chandler Riggs about this today, being on Walking Dead, about how... Uh, it's, uh, yeah, no, actually, I was talking to him today. Uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. I didn't see it. <laughs> you will. We shot. We shot some stuff. Um, we shot some stuff for the Talking Dead summer special that's coming up. So I talked to Chandler today, and uh, and uh, just just realizing talking to you, realizing and like in Chandler's case, a significant amount of your life has been like not just at your acting career, a significant amount of your life has been in this show, like thirty percent of your life. Yeah. I mean, even when, like, we're not working and stuff, in the UK, this is when it really sets in is when we come to the States, because in the UK, we're a lot more reserved anyway, so when people recognize you, they, like, just look at you, <laughs> stare at you. Um, but it's just, like, like, I don't go to London very often in, in the city that I live. Like, it's quite quiet, and I don't get recognized loads. And then I come here, and I'm like, people that I've never met before and never seen before know who I am, and it's like, so strange because you get so we we shoot in northern ireland and it's really really close and everywhere in europe is really close so it kind of starts to feel quite contained and then all of a sudden you come here and it's like there's so many people that are obsessed with the show and it's like how, how did this happen i still every day i'm like call my mom and i'm like i'm gonna go and do a panel with norman reedus like what is happening? Why? Why did they choose me? Is she like, who is Norman Reedus? No, my mum is obsessed with the show. And she's well, then like, take him to an Loo. <laughs> she's like, if you don't get an autograph, you're not my daughter. I was like, okay. <laughs> did you get an Thanks, autograph? mum. Yeah, I did. did get, oh, awesome. And he wrote, hi, mom, with an O. And this I was is, like, oh. This is what I love about American. comedy. Mom with an O. <laughs> mom. We call it mum, and everyone's like, oh, you say mum. And I'm like, no, it's just mum, not mum. Mum. Just mum. 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 But then, it, but then of course, uh, that changes when a lot of uh, the British actors come over and take our southern roles. <laughs> <And they're> like, <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep these in America. <laughs> they're, just, they're just systematically getting us back for Bridget Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. I feel like the big shows that you have here where people speak in English or British accents is like Downton and Game of Thrones. Any others? Doctor Who? Doctor Who. Okay, yeah. there we go. But like in the UK, all of our adverts, all of our shows, everything is like you, you're just surrounded by an American accent all the time. Oh, wow. So when they're like... <laughs> all the British we guys did it! The <laughs> Suck on that, King George! <laughs> What? So when they're always like, oh, the British people keep coming over and stealing all of our roles and doing American accents, but then whenever American actors come over and do English accents, we're like... Mm. <laughs> so, oh, it probably sounds to you a lot like when Liam Neeson tries to do an American around. accent. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You just stop trying. Do you do, do, you do one? Do you, do, do you have a good American accent? Uh, I'm not going to do it. Oh, okay. But you can watch, you can watch my new movie. Uh, the Devil in the Deep Blue Sea, which will be out next year. Excellent. And you can hear my Louisiana accent. Oh, that's fantastic. And also... Cajun, to be precise. Uh, also, the, the, the amount of, uh, the amount of uh, cheer that swept Hall H a couple of days ago when you appear in the Doctor Who Series <laughs> 9 trailer. That's... That, I mean, you have to know, know how people, epic that is. People, like freak out when you cross fandoms so I was like 
kind of ready for it. They were like, we need to get you on the panel. But because obviously I was here with Game of Thrones, I couldn't mess up their schedule or anything. But um, I'm really excited for you guys to see it. It's a cool role. That's so it's exciting. Really cool I mean, you're just hitting all the... all the. Are, are you just sort of pointing at something? Oh, I could do that. Maybe I could go over <laughs> yeah, that one. That. Yeah. This is what I mean. I don't have a plan. I just... You just kind of, and it seems to be working out quite well. Just like this. That's where you're with the time. That's how I get through life. Excuse me, coming through. Wide elbows, coming through. You I have know, an issue. I'm actually called elbows in the family because I eat like this. <laughs> and my siblings are like, oh, I guess I'm next to elbows again. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, you are. Get out of the way. <laughs> Whenever we come to this Edie Lou, she's always elbowing me. Uh, oh, that's, that, that's a good point. It's never going to get old, is it? I want to <laughs> see what she does when you say Edie Lou. <laughs> There's no way. you got to spell it out. Edie Lou. It doesn't mean anything. Edie Lou. You're doing something different every time. <laughs> I, don't think, I, I don't think she knows how to, what she's doing. <laughs> I, I want to say, by the way, you, you have been an epic hero during this podcast sitting in the front row. I don't know your name, who's doing the, the sign language, but thank you so much for she's making this possible. No, she, of course you can't turn around. But thank you for making this possible. For our hearing impaired fans to be here and experience this, it's it's very important and and and, and we appreciate it. Accessible for all. Accessible for all. Yes. Um, I, I, so I I understand that um, uh, you are moving on to one more thing after this, uh, and this this was the half hour we had you with. This flew by. Was that half an hour? Can you believe it? You can stay if you want. I just don't want to trap you here. I'll stay it's all a, night. Oh what? <laughs> We could say it. Uh, no, I'm joking. There's other people there. <laughs> Can we go to the party now? Yeah. Oh, but this, but but honestly, um, when we, uh, I, you were someone specifically that I wanted to have on the show because of wh- how I've seen you be on social media, and because I feel like you're a good. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but you're a good role model. You're a good role model for young people and a good role model for young women. And so, I mean, just because the, you know. In life and your character, because Ari, I think people when they see her, they ins- you instantly root for her. You're like, well, she's got to fucking do something. I mean, come on, look at that. And so they instantly root. They instantly root for you. And I just, uh, you know, do you have any just parting words of, you know, just advice to young people who are trying to cope with uh, everything, and that even people who aren't in the limelight coping with social pressures and social media and all that stuff? I feel like people are always going to have an opinion and a good opinion or a bad opinion on what you're doing in life. Always, no matter where you are at school or if you're blast into this crazy industry. Like, no matter where you are, people are going to try and knock you down because that's what we do, unfortunately. Um, but you just have to always remain happy in yourself and happy in your decisions. And you can be influenced by people that influence you. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you have to make your own decisions and be authentic and real to who you want to be and how you want to be perceived in life. Excellent. Wonderful. That is a... And... Yes, and... And... Vala Mogulis. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, please join me in giving a huge round of applause to Maisie Williams, who crushed it. Thank you so much. Great do, job. Do you mind if we just take a quick little... Awesome. Thank you so much. You were so wonderful. Safe travels. Maisie Williams! Oh, 
she's pretty rad. She's amazingly rad. What a fun podcast we've had so far. And now uh, I, I feel like it is uh, very appropriate for... Nope, to, sorry. Uh, does this... Can you... Uh, all right. Now I feel like it's very appropriate for us to do some... Oh, you found it. What are you doing? Was that backwards devil masking? My friend Ted, my friend Fred Tadashore, who's an amazing voiceover artist. We've been friends since college. He says if you ever want to sound like you're talking backwards, you just say the words Brezhnev and Turnip over and over. Brezhnev, Turnip, Brezhnev, Turnip, Turnip, Brezhnev, Turnip, Brezhnev. Um, sorry. <laughs> then David Lynch walks out and goes, "You got the job. <laughs> you got it." So oh, she just had to sign Brezhnev turnip, turnip over and over again. Uh, but did she do she's it like, backwards? Brezhnev? Brezhnev. So let's uh, let's take some uh, a, a couple of quements from the audience. Uh, if anyone illuminates, illuminates, illuminates. Uh, oh, yes, really full in here. Uh, hi, uh, I heard that the first show we had some timing issues, so I would like to know how was the ride with Chewbacca and for Matt and Jonah, uh, what did you guys do to entertain the audience? Interpretive dance. <laughs> well, I did. Uh, I got a lap dance from a guy in a beard and a dress. He was, uh, a, he was a 10. And Jonah and I created the greatest character ever made. Boston Batman. Time-traveling Boston Batman. I still, I still don't know about the time travel part, man. We're going to have to workshop this. I so, think it's great. In short, they didn't entertain the audience. Up top, let's do this. All right, good. Yeah, fuck those guys. Uh, yes, but sir. But if I time-travel, I can stop some wicked old crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, I, I'll repeat it so that you don't have to. Yes. Well, here's my face. Oh. Sure. Oh, he's asking for his son. Of course. I, I think we have to be careful not to turn this into a, a selfie storm. You but, are the but, only but, selfie but are, we will grant. You are asking for your son, and this is what a dad does, and so selfie I can't... Selfie storm, uh, 2015. Okay, here we go. Do we you get it? Thank it. you very much. First you of all... You did it together. You know I what, have, Chris? You know I what? have the same Star Labs shirt, which I love. By the way, uh, 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 Star Labs... The fucking easiest place to break into in the world. It's like the cutting edge technology. It's a fucking particle accelerator. They don't know how to lock the goddamn door. Uh, Chris, they don't build locks. They build particle accelerators. Snark walks in and Iris and everyone's like the general. I knew I'd find you here. Yeah, because the fucking door is wide open. Like put a fucking padlock on Star Labs for Christ's sake. Yes, sir. Hello, Chris. First of all, uh, Matt, uh, go Sox. And, yeah, they won and today. Frazier, I love Frazier too. Um, but I wanted to say, first of all, thank you for having Maisie Williams. I, she is awesome, and I love Game of Thrones, and I love what she does for, you know, for not only women, because it's great to have good, strong female characters. It makes, makes it better for better TV. It really does. And for a nine-year-old, for someone who has a nine-year-old sister who looks like, oh, hey, hey oh, fuck hey. you. <laughs> Let him go. Uh, I was going to say, someone with a nine-year-old sister with, a, with the, who looks like Maisie and has a mind of Littlefinger, um, it's really helpful to All have... All right, maybe you were right, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My question was, really, really for all y'all, 
how, how is it that you're able to kind of sustain this whole roller coaster of basically doing all this, going to SDCC and all this and having the show and being able to, you have like 5,000. I just don't think about everything at once, which I think is actually good advice for life in general. It, it, because if you try to think about... It's sort of like, you know... Uh, I've been having the same problem with The Wire, right? Which I still haven't watched The Wire. And sh- fucking shut up. <laughs> hey, Chris, same here. Neither have I. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the reason why I haven't watched The Wire, and I feel like this is a good lesson for life. When I think of, because it, it was, it's been, people are so intense at me about it. And so when I think of The Wire, it's been built up as this, like, this is the most incredibly intense, wonderful television experience of your goddamn life. And, you know, watching all the seasons at once, I just think, because I work a lot, I think, fuck, I don't have time, I don't have the emotional energy, and I don't have time to, but the truth is, if I just didn't think about it all at once, and I just started The Wire, I would fucking get through The Wire, so I guess my, my takeaway, my advice is just start The Wire. You know what I mean? Just start it. Just watch it. When I, with Comic-Con Wednesday, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about all of the panels and everything at once because it would have overwhelmed me. I, just, I was prepared as I could be, and then I just sort of got... I just took each thing as it came. Okay, this is what I'm dealing with now. All right, got to run on stage to do this, and it's all... By the way, it's not a chore to do this. It's all the most amazing fucking things in the world, so... If it helps, I've not, not only have I not seen Doctor Who or any X-Men films, which I'm going to, I haven't seen Walking Dead either. It's all in my queue. So. Okay, good. Well, see, so get on. Watch. Get the fuck. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> yes. How you doing, Chris? Uh, gents, this is my third year flying in from South Africa. Uh, wow. Yeah, I'm actually Australian. I live in South Africa, but been coming through, seeing you guys each of the years. So thank you very much for a great podcast. Question to the gentleman, Chris, if I could get a selfie while they answer, maybe. Gentlemen, very clever. <laughs> they do things very efficiently in the Southern Hemisphere, don't they? Hey, that's where Dave Matthews is from. Right on. Absolutely, absolutely. So, gentlemen, while I take a selfie with Chris, when you get your uh, Nerdist Jags, okay. what model Jags would you like? Well, we get our Nerdist Jaguars. I'd take an E-Type from the 50s, because uh, that's a fucking good-looking car, bro. It is a nice car. I'd rather have a Panther. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question? Here, yes, this gentleman. I have a comment for you. Uh, Marilyn Manson was one of my favorite people on your show, Talking Dead, yeah. um, because it was so awkward and awesome. You shut up! <laughs> All of you, shut up! The beautiful people, the, the beautiful people. <laughs> you know, the truth of the matter is... The guy, the guy I was... I did a show at a venue across town, uh, and the guy was telling me that one of the worst things he had to go pick up for a talent was he got sent into town to find male spanks for Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is goddamn delightful. <laughs> Here's the thing about Marilyn Manson. I'm sure I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I'll, but I'll answer because you asked. Um, it didn't bother me so much that when... It, the only thing for me when he was on that made me start going, uh, I, don't know, I need to kind of move this along, is because I knew 
what I could feel what was happening with the fans of Walking Dead while they were watching, going, what the... Because one of the most important things... And, you know, people say it too, like, well, it's a fucking zombie after show. Like, how serious can that be? But people take a very emotional journey with Walking Dead. You know, like, we're, fan, we're mega fans of stuff. And so if, you know, a requirement for being on the show, and people have been uninvited on the show if it turns out that it, they, had, they don't watch Walking Dead, it's just been a publicity stunt or whatever, and we find that out, and we're like, we can't come on. Number one, you have to have knowledge. You have to watch the show. And number two, you have to earn your spot on the couch as it's hap- happening, you know? Because people at home, why would they devote time if they're like, well, why the fuck am I not up there? Why is this joker up there? Uh, uh, literally in his place. And, uh, and so I, I, I guess I just sort of... I, I was more concerned about people being like, you're wasting time, you know, you're not... Because I don't think he was... Tr- necessarily trying to derail everything. I think he's just... He just kind of has his own wavelength and he was just... I think he's just used to commanding whatever room he's in and I think there was that was a little bit of him just trying to take over the room. But at a certain point, I'm a comic, I just started treating him like a heckler. So, you know, he would say, well, the survivors are kind of like Hitler and I'm like, no, they're not, Marilyn Manson. Next question. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> There's just no... You just got to shut that shit down so it doesn't go completely off the rails. But honestly, the mistakes... And this is another great lesson for the... Your, mis, your, your mistakes are the things that you perceive as being imperfections are sometimes the greatest gifts in the world because people still talk about the Marilyn Manson episode. And it's like this weird shared thing that we all survived and have PTSD from now. So we are all collectively together. Like, that's a moment that actually had meta value for us. So I don't mind it so much. It was fine. And I, you know, I would have him on, but AMC would have to agree to that, and um, they will not. So, uh, yeah, just shout it out so we can... She's in the middle, sir. I know you are too, but fuck you, sir. I'm gonna go ask... I'm gonna... This... You what? Well, okay, what is it? So Cameron Esposito made a comment on the podcast. You're very far away, so I can't get the mic to you. Cameron Esposito made a comment on the podcast you thought was so... I don't, I don't want to displace all these poor people. There's not enough room to walk through. Cameron Esposito made a comment... Uh, on the podcast that was so poignant to you that you turned it into a meme and you wanted to... Uh, oh, I thought you were high-fiving me. I just broke your thumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just slapped a guy's thumb like, like I'm an alien in a weird human body and I don't know how things work. It is nice to meet you. Whenever people ask if Chris is a real nerd, I point to this moment. Yep. <laughs> you, know how many, you know how many missed high-fives I've had in the last couple of days? Whoop. All right. Uh, okay, good. You're coming through here. She's letting through. Come... That's okay. This is. Oh, I fuck. I missed. I'm standing in front of you, and I missed. Okay. So this is it. This is what I made. Yes. And it says, "I just think it's something that people that are in a power position just need to be aware of. If you're trying to be an advocate, that doesn't mean you speak for the population you're trying to advocate for. The best way." to be an advocate is to point to the person who's speaking on their own behalf. I really believe that. Yeah, that's an amazing quote. You, and that's a nice meme that you made. I, I really believe that too. And so I'm going to use this opportunity, if it's okay, to point to a woman named Barb Rentenbach. She is an autistic mute woman. She has a podcast. It's called Loud Mute Radio. 
And I would really like it if all of you guys would take 30 seconds and just check it out. Her website is muleandmuseproductions.com. She's amazing. Her guests are amazing. It will not be a waste of your time, I assure you. Pin it on the community corkboard. Um, just check it out because it's awesome. And I love your podcast. It's changed my life. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Of course. Huge hug. Great. Katie's going to have to cut that out. I'm kidding. That would be the worst. <laughs> no, we're not going to cut it out. I'm kidding. That was one of the most beautiful. I would never do that. Yes, ma'am. Hi. I just want to say I love you guys. Uh, I went to the Meltdown signing with Jonah and Camille. Thanks for coming. I want... Camille. I... Kamazel. Camille. I actually wanted to ask him this, but I got too nervous. Um, are you guys going to be extras on the X-Files? Are... Are you going to be extras on the X-Files? Are you fucking going to be extras on the X-Files? Not me. I'm going to say that I do personally know a couple of people who are going to be extras on the X-Files. Yeah. and uh, One of them's not me. One of them's not Jonah. The other one's not Chris. Yeah, I know. I didn't get to... The other one's also not me, but I do know people. You'll know them too, and it's going to be awesome. You know, they, they actually... Um, they offered me a part to audition for um, because I was so vocal about it. So yeah. they offered me a part, and it was a good part. And I and but with the dates, did you not audition? I didn't. I couldn't because uh, because of work. Uh, like the work, I know well, I couldn't go try to work because of work. Uh, but it, but it would, I wouldn't have gotten anyway because I'm not I'm not a great auditioner. Do, are, do, do you guys, Do you have questions that you would want to ask? It, you don't have to, but if you do, I'm happy to answer. I'll tell you what, I'll th you, you can think about it. If you have something great, I'm going to go over here. Uh, uh, Nerdist Man, whose uh, penis was immortalized on the Jimmy Fallon show. Uh, uh, you still have the costume. It looks amazing. What is your question? Um, well, I'm turning 30 next month. And so Happy birthday! And so if I didn't get this chance to tell you, my dad would kill me. Um, apparently, your family and my family are... Related, not in blood, but and um, it turns out my dad nailed your mom. I told him this was gonna happen too. No, but uh, apparently, his your cousin Paul Hardwick was my dad's best friend in uh, San Mateo. Oh, pa yeah, Polly. They, they had a different uh, Applebaum was their, is their last name, so they have a different, yeah, my cousin Polly. That's fucking crazy. It's my dad, my dad's sister Nancy. Here's how this came about, though. Um, you know, <laughs> stick with me real quick. Oh. Stick with me real quick. After, you know, after you said... Uh, at, <laughs> after after you, 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 know, you said how your dad passed away, right? My dad heard about you and your dad doing the podcast, and so we kind of bonded listening to that podcast. He's telling the most beautiful story right now, and you're watching these lunkheads fall asleep on each other. No, so I told my dad, you know, we saw the end of walking the Talking Dead because his baseball game was on, and I, I couldn't interrupt that. So, and so he heard you say that, and then he's like, what's the last name? I'm like, Hardwick. And he's like, he pulls out his yearbook, and he's like, ah, see? And then I was like, oh, well, then let's listen to this podcast. And then we listened to his you guys, you and your dad talking, and we bonded over it, which was kind of weird, because me and my dad are, we bond, but not, you know, sure. not in that way. And so he told me that I should tell you this, 
and then, yeah. I feel like... I feel like... Blah, 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 blah. Wall. We just hit a wall. Well, that's... Uh, what's your dad's name? Jay Wheeler. Jay Wheeler, uh, hello from the Hardwicks and the Appleblums, I guess. That's really, that's really amazing that, uh, that he knows family. So thank you so much. I had no, all this time I've been seeing this thing, I had no idea we had a, a family connection. Oh. It's, well, okay. <laughs> There's a lot, but I don't want to take up the time. Tell me every little thing. <laughs> my sister used to watch Singled Out, and she was obsessed with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's like a golden ticket. But I remembered you when I was a little kid going, that guy's kind of funny. And then to see you and doing your thing now, I'm just like, this is really weird how the, our families have somehow come full circle. It has. Well, let, let, let's hug it out. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll t- maybe take one more question. Have you ever lost a bowling game to anybody? Oh, yeah, I've lost a lot of bowling games. I fucking lost to goddamn French Montana at a... Uh, who turned out to be a pretty good bowler. I, we just had a, um, you know, we did the, the PBA, the Chris Paul charity tournament, and Chris Barnes and I, who's the captain of the team that I have, uh, he, they keep winning, but we won the Chris Paul Invitational a couple years ago, and then this time, French Montana just, like, threw some good balls in there, and we both had splits, and so I, lo- I lost to French Montana. The guy had, like, never bowled before, and he just, like, just started throwing strikes. And I was so mad. I'm like, I can't lose to French Montana! Because well, I can't beat him in anything, so that was it. Like, he took a one, the one thing away that I could have had. So, and, and it does, by the way, it bothered me more than it should have bothered me. Uh, Clearly. <laughs> am I wearing an X-Men belt buckle? Yes, I'm wearing an X-Men belt buckle. It's funny because I, I, sh- I shot a thing with the Fantastic Forecast earlier, and I just, I forgot, and so I, like, went to scratch, and I'm like, is that a fucking X-Men belt buckle? I'm like, no, it's a railroad belt. I work on a railroad. Like, I didn't, I was so, I was very flustered. Yes, you, I'll, I'll take you, I'll take you, because we didn't, we skipped you before. Yes, uh, I don't, should we tell, we, maybe we shouldn't tell people what Yeah, we is. should tell people just because I want to see it signed. Uh... <laughs> Jonah, Jonah, Brian, Brian Posehn uh, shot a comedy special at the House of Blues the other night. He was referencing something that happened, which uh, we probably shouldn't give away to everyone. Yeah, he wants it to be a surprise, but uh, yeah. thanks for going to that show and seeing me at my best. <laughs> but oh. Oh, did, uh, did, you, did, were you, did you think of a question? Did you have a question? So far away, we couldn't hear what he said. What did he say? Well, he said... He, no, it wasn't dirty. He, re- he referenced something... That Jonah did at our friend Brian's comedy show, but we can't give it away. It's a secret. We, so, t- we even though Jonah told everybody at the first show. Yeah, I, th- I figure we're going to cut it out though. I, oh, interesting. Oh, but the more people, so I had know. a better connection with the first crowd. I'm sorry, I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how dare you do that to the show? This has been such no, a I good just, show. It's, like, it's not you guys. It's just they were. I mean, they were. They're special to me. <laughs> oh, this how is dare weird. you? So, uh, and, uh, do you have a question? Nope. Don't worry about it. No worries. Like, I'm just happy to be able to be here, but we're like, no, we're all good. I'm excited. This is like, we're a huge Game of Thrones fans, so I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I just got to see these people, and this is awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm so... <laughs> what is oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh in ASL? It's oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh, that's amazing. 
Um, first of all, how do you not have carpal tunnel syndrome? We all talk very fast. I don't know. <laughs> I probably will after this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I mean, honestly, I know I said it before, but thank you so much for doing this. It's ama- it's ama- I'm so glad that... Obsessed with talking dead, so it is my honor. You have no idea. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, and thank you. Thank you. She should host Signing Dead. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hug you too, because you're right there. I feel like it'd be weird if I was like, sorry, two out of three. Like, that's rude. So I wanted to make sure that you felt included. Um, but I think this is really all the time. Ta- okay, you're, you're flailing this hand, so I feel like I'll, I'll go ahead. This isn't for me. It's for my student. I have an autistic student named Peter who loves you. And he knows your bowling stats. He also knew your dad's bowling stats. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> Take that, nerdist man. He also can often um, uh, say pie. So when you quoted pie last night, I was like, oh my God, seriously? Another one? <laughs> as nerdy as Peter. So I wanted to get your autograph for Yes, of course. Of course. Uh, His name is Peter. Peter. Um, 3.141592653. Sing it, Chris. 35. No. 3.141592653589739723283846264333. Yeah, it's impressive when you hear it the first time. Every time you get lunch. But you know what's weird is that's his pin number. So fucking getting a little ATM line behind this guy, it's like, how did you get it to do that? Yeah. There you go. Thank you so much. And what is your name? My name is Tori. Thank you, Tori. Thanks, Tori. And everyone, um, thank you so much for coming out to Nerdist Podcast Live. This is hopefully is a tradition we will continue every year if you keep coming out. Huge round of applause for Maisie Williams, for Tom Hiddleston. Guillermo del Toro. This is really, I have one small Sanjay and Craig panel tomorrow, but that's it. This is really kind of the big finish for Comic-Con for me. So thank you so much for being a part of it. It's been an amazing weekend. Give it up for Chris Hardwick, and, uh, ladies and I'll gentlemen. I'll see you soon, everyone. Enjoy your burritos. Chris Hardwick. Jenna Ray, Matt Myra. Thank Katie you. Katie Levine. San Diego. Kyle Clark. And thank you, Aristotle. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura. No murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.